in light of all that, and knowing that so many people in this room are going to go on to do incredibly wonderful things for the Lord, let's uh, start at the end, because that way we can't go wrong. Um, God didn't leave us as orphans, but we've been adopted as sons and daughters. The first slide up there that was there for a while talked about those sons and daughters of family, God's family. And I can, I can jive with family. I struggle with, uh, you know, organizational structure, but family, I can do family. I love family. And it's amazing to be part of this one. So the father... That was his plan from the beginning. Walking in the cool of the day through the garden, looking for his son and his daughter. But they were hiding. I think we should paraphrase it to suit the territory and say, God was sweating, walking in the sweltering heat of the garden, looking for his kids. So his motive, and we've been building up obviously to this point, the fourth M is his motive in laying down his life, paying the price with his blood. If you've ever questioned your value, you need look no further than the blood of Jesus because he paid for you with his own blood. In order that we would be able to behold his face in righteousness, that we'd be able to boldly come before him when he comes searching, when he comes knocking, that there we are. We're not hiding, we're not ashamed. We've got nothing to be afraid of. So we get to build our lives on the firmest of possible foundations. Did you know that the highest possible fulfillment of your life is to know God? How good is that? I've like thought it was a lot of other things in my time and I've been out there trying to be successful or achieve notoriety or do something great for God and it was just elusive, it just never came, I never got there did all sorts of things, pursued this and that. And the motivation was always to sort of somehow arrive at some position where I was going to have this peace with God or this, this sort of feeling of satisfaction in Him. Because I'd, I'd, I'd made it about me, it was never going to come. But praise God for Jesus, for the gospel has set me free from myself, my own acts of righteousness, which turn out to be filthy rags, to actually abide with the Lord. I just love that when I'm swinging in my hammock, there's nothing else that I need to do. Like I have complete access to the Lord. Like, I, like the highest possible fulfillment of my life is there right now. That thing I spent years trying to live up to or to get to some point, you know? 
if I if I was still in that mindset when Dave called me the associate pastor earlier on, I would have been puffed up thinking, perhaps I've arrived. Is this going to fulfill me? Well, no, it's fleeting, isn't it? It's not going to be fulfilling. He only appointed me because he knows that that's not where I get my fulfillment from, you know? So I'm laying back in my hammock, and this completeness, this un bridled intimacy with the Lord is available to me. Imagine, there's nothing, like, there's no waiting, there's no time, it's, it's available to every single one now. And out of that place, we get to be fruitful, you know. It's not so I can be idle and swing in my hammock all day long, it's so that I can just abide in his love and enter into his rest and step forward from that place. Oh, it's just glorious, isn't it? Can you feel that? It's just like pressure's off. I just love that, you know, like the fight of faith is to just defend that reality, defend that rest. That's the fight of faith. I didn't get me here. It's him. So I can swing in my hammock and let him love on me and fill me with vision and I can go out and, and pour that out on the world around me. So that's the fight of faith, defending that my righteousness is in Christ. I'm building my life on the firmest of foundations and I get to remain in him in intimacy because we know that he who abides in me abides in my love abides in the vine, will be fruitful. To stick with the horticultural analysis, we're also oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord, the, the stream that flows from the very throne of God, that's where our roots go. Bearing fruit in every season. Leaves that heal the nations. Did you see the vision? Do you see the potential? We're the leaves that heal the nations. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of others. Because our vision is to see the oppressed set free, you know. Our vision is to see those who have been made the least become the first. That's our heart for this city and this nation. And that's where God fills us with vision in that place. God, this love with which you have loved me, I just want to give that out. And I love that we're measured not by whether we're half full or half empty, but by the overflow it's what comes spilling out that, that's our measure. We're always full to overflowing, and what comes out is like, wow, so much potential in all of that. This, there's a verse that um, has spoken to me a lot over the years, and it talks about, it's from Proverbs 23. 
Do not move an ancient boundary stone or encroach on the fields of the fatherless. I believe that the enemy is trying to deceive us to think that there's something out there that we, that we need or that we, can, that we should access that's actually going to be somehow more fulfilling than what's available to us in Christ. And whenever the devil comes at me, that I, I literally can see it. It's like peering into the fields of orphans and thinking you want something that's over on their side of the fence. No way, man. What the Lord has got for you in intimacy is everything that you need. And if I find myself out on the boundary line, peering into the world and thinking some of that glitter is gold, then I know that I need to be with the Lord, back in the hammock, leaning back, abiding in his love and saying, Lord, fill my heart. Revive me according to your word. So we have this incredible opportunity. The sons and daughters are continually led by his spirit. Present participle for all of you English students. It's the ever-present tense to be led. You could call it continually led. These are the sons and daughters. I don't think it says daughters actually, but I added that for you girls. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and the daughters of God. There's this invitation. It's always, it's always an invitation, isn't it? It says in 1 John 2, 4, that anybody who says they know me will do what I do. I think that's another paraphrase of mine, but you get the idea, right? It's not like anyone who says they know me will try really hard to, to do some good stuff. No, it doesn't say that. It says you'll do what I do because we're beholding with an unveiled face as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. It's like we're seeing who he is and who we are in him. And every single person in this room is like a different facet. You know, we're not just like a cookie-cutter stamp, like, oh, these are Christians, bang, 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 Jesus stamps. It's like this incredible facet of God, which is you. Every time it turns, there's a different glint. Like every single one of us make up this body. Every single one of us a functioning part of this beautiful bride on the earth, you know, filled with his glory. Like Christ is in me, and that's the hope of glory. Not some plan I've got. <laughs> Sorry if that messes with your plans. <laughs> you know, I don't know, I, I've traveled in the Middle East and I was going to refer to it later, but have you ever seen the way some of those young rabbis, or they, they, they strap their hands and they bind their hands and stuff? And they put like this band around their head with a scripture on it? It's like, it's a a case kind of thing that contains a scripture. Yeah. Preaching the word up here, my boy. And um, anyway, they, they literally get a scripture and they have this thing, look into it, and they wear it around their head. It's like literally it's here. And they're meditating on that scripture day and night. And they bind their hands to remind themselves. And they'd go through all this ritual to this day. 
And I think about that too. Like if we're like just keeping the Lord at the forefront, like in our lives, in order that we would just be continually led, that we would abide. Like I was trying to think of a good analogy. It's like if I'm really hungry and I go to the fridge because I know that there's some, a nice pie in there or something, no matter how loud Victor calls, like I'm on a mission, I'm going to the fridge and I'm going to get that pie, you know, and I'm going to scoff it down and quench my hunger. It's like if we have the Lord at like the forefront of our minds, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, like the enemy's like lies and deception, little deceptions that he tries to get us off track with, they won't even like, catch you for a second because you're like you know you're, you're hungry for the lord you're like driven by that the upward call of god in christ jesus it's like this is where i'm going there's no you know and you keep that at the forefront of your mind which is why intimacy is so key because it's like i don't want to do anything that would violate the love of god in my life like i i know because i spend time with the lord how good he is and how much he loves me it's transformed my life I look at all of my circumstances so differently because I know his goodness in all things. His incredible unmerited favor, the ways that he wants to engage in my daily grind is like ridiculously good and kind and helpful. The finest details that you wouldn't think he'd care about, he cares about them. Like he's so good. You're meant to spend the rest of your life plumbing the depths and going to the heights and looking at the wits of his love. That's a satisfying place, isn't it? Satiated in the Lord. Fulfilled. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. The Lord will guide me and continually satisfy my soul, even in drought. Even in drought, even when the storms are raging. I think so many of us can relate, you know, to you hear these incredible testimonies of things that people have done, but it all boils down to a still small voice that they heard. And they were just obedient and they stepped forward. I just want to read from you read for you from Song of Songs. Chapter 8. And if you want to grow in your intimacy, I encourage you to read Song of Songs, Passion Translation. This was where Brian Simmons started out. Um, he's now... Uh, the, tra the Passion Translation now includes the entire New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs. But this is where he started out. He had a revelation of intimacy. He had a revelation of the love of God. And he's unpacked it so well in this um, translation. And he was commissioned by the Lord, like in powerful encounter. And I really think Catherine actually wrote a a, a forward or a reference or whatever in one of these books and she said it's, she believed it was a gift to our generation and I 100% agree this book is an absolute gift to our generation 
and the whole Passion Translation, fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. This living, consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love. My love will be stronger than the chains of death and the grave. And Jesus proved that to us, didn't he? Jesus, your love is stronger than the chains of death and the grave, consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over all your being. Rivers of persecution and pain will never extinguish this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire burning within you. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this furious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. So good. We know that eternity is not only an endless amount of time, but it's a relationship. Eternal life is to know God and Jesus. He's put eternity on our hearts. You know, He's the desire of the nations. You're in the business of light. And the world wants light. He's the desire of the nations. They, they're looking in every, which, every corner, every which way. But the Lord is the only one that satisfies. He's the only one that truly quenches our thirst. And we have hungered and thirsted for righteousness and been filled by the Lord. So that... We could, we could live in God's ultimate desire as a relationship. Peace with God. Every religion in the world is trying to somehow attain it. Live up to some standard. Provide enough offerings. Give some incense. Whatever they do. But we are the ones who have peace with God. That's what you get to share and encourage people with. That you have peace with God. So I want to finish with a little story time. Every time I see this rickety old thing, I think, I'm going to make a new one. And then another Sunday comes around, and I'm like, I still need to make that new. I'll get there eventually. So I'm going to read you a story um, from Sam, 2 Samuel. It starts in 1 Samuel, where... Jonathan and David make a covenant together. Jonathan loved David as his own soul. And they made a covenant. And a covenant in those days, um, they would like, I think, cut themselves and then shake hands so the blood would intermingle say essentially we are one blood 
you know. The same thing that we've done today, partakers of the divine nature, his blood in us, and they would shake hands and then they would cauterize it, like put hot steel on there to seal the wound. So they would be scarred for the rest of their lives as a reminder of the covenant that they had made. And Jonathan and David made such a covenant. And one day David's sitting there and he, I imagine, looked down at his wrist or saw his scars. This is long, uh, I'll go back a bit. So when David came to power, um, all of the house of Jonathan and Saul fled because in those days they just assumed, well, the new king coming in is going to secure his rule by killing everyone everyone from the other family, all the heirs, everybody. And as they were fleeing, the maid was holding Jonathan's son, whose name was Mephibosheth. Can everyone say Mephibosheth three times really quickly? And he was, as, a res, as they were running, he fell, and Mephibosheth was, I, I assume legs were broken, he became lame in both feet, it says. And he fleed into the wilderness or wherever, anticipating that, that King David was coming to um, establish his reign by killing him off. So one day, David's sitting there and he sees his scars and he says, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? So remembering his covenant. And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodibar. I actually um, can picture a place like Lodibar because when I was 18 months old, my folks moved to Saudi Arabia. And so my earliest memories are of these incredible arid Arabian deserts and Arabs with leather sandals on and you know white gowns and those head things that they wear and it's like burned in my memory of these crazy scenes it's like you know how your earliest memories are always sort of photographic kind of snip, snips and pictures so my earliest memories are from this completely alien world so different you know early 80s Saudi Arabia so I can picture this place and man it's stinking hot you think it's hot here, you can stand under a shady tree. There's no trees there. It's just like scorching, dry, dry as an Arab sandal. I think that's an expression, isn't it? Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. He's assuming 
here it is, I've been hiding out all these years, crippled in Lodi Bar, and here comes the king. He's finally caught up with me, and he's going to bump me off. It's all over. Mephibosheth, and he answered, here is your servant. So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. He who has been joined to the Lord has become one spirit with him. Give us today our daily bread, Lord. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? While we were dead in our transgressions, for God so loved. The king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth said to the king, He shall at my table he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. It's just an incredible story, isn't it, of the grace of God. He desires intimacy with us more than we desire it with him. You know, he's the one who pursues us unrelentingly. You know, he comes, doesn't he, to the prodigal son, arms open wide and restores him, just like Mephibosheth. Imagine, you know, he's there in the palace every day. He's walking around the palace all of a sudden. Well, not walking, but... It's like the goodness of God. Every day you get to walk in the presence of God. You get to be in his presence, like you've been restored. One minute he's in the dust, like feeling like a dead dog. And the next minute 
He's in the king's palace, eating bread at the king's table continually as one of the king's own sons. Hello. I just want to give you guys an opportunity to respond to this word today. However it's touching you, or if it's the first time you've heard that revelation of God's grace and his pursuit of you and his love for you, just love to invite our group leaders to come up. And as you guys just reflect, just this invitation to just respond, to give your heart to the Lord. And he loves you guys so much. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he is love. Like we just want to just totally give time right now for you to come and respond, to receive prayer. Even just for like that revelation to go deeper that you have unbridled access to the house of God that you have a place at his table, that he loves you because he loves you because he loves you, that you don't have the power to influence his love towards you. It's paid for in blood. It's a blood covenant. It's all binding. Jesus. Jesus. You're worthy, Lord to receive the reward of your suffering, which is your children coming home, your family reunited with you. Come home today if that's you. This is an invitation to come home. I realize it might be a bit intimidating right now in front of everyone lining up, but in your heart and just get, get someone to come and pray. And But I feel like that that's for someone in particular in the room, it just, just makes sense. So yeah, we thank you, Jesus. That it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, Lord. We are sons and daughters, fully reconciled to God. For God was in Christ, reconciling all things to himself. Amen. Praise God. Thanks, Tom. These guys are going to stay here. If you would like prayer, if you would like a prophetic word, if you would like encouragement, at the end of our services, we're going to get used to this. Just having, just pray for it to, the, the, to encourage and edify each other in love. You may just be completely fine, but just have someone that is trustworthy and can encourage you, to pray for you, hear a God, hear a word from God for you. So these guys are just going to stay here for a little bit. You can leave, you can mingle, whatever. I'm going to close the service. Um, but again, we never want to deny you an opportunity for prayer because when we pray, things change. Amen. Thank you so much, Tom. Wasn't that amazing? It was so good. Oh gosh. Praise God. We love you. Again, I encourage you to come forth for prayer if you would like.
Um, if not, we'll see you at 6.30 here on Tuesday. And um, until then, we love you lots and bless you. Amen. <laughs>